Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Voices of Social Change. My name is Josh Shookman, and this is the podcast where we share the stories of social entrepreneurs and the movements they create. So whether you're an aspiring change agent or a cause-based leader, this is the podcast dedicated to you, where we get you the resources and the tools you need to create business that makes a dollar and a difference. Hey again, and thanks for joining us here at Voices of Social Change. Have a really exciting interview here today as part of our series on technology and social change. Really exciting things going on in that space. Uh, You've heard me mention a few times here, I I podcast live from the Kansas City Startup Village, which is a a tech-based ecosystem here in Kansas City. A lot of exciting things going on. So that's really a a personal passion of mine as well. Uh, I'm not the most techy guy in the world, but being in this community has really introduced me to a lot of things. And and being that uh, I was really involved in the social justice space, seeing some exciting changes in technology in that space have have been something that I am uh, really interested in and really want to have conversations around. So that's really what we're focused on today. And I'm really excited to bring our guest on, Rose Broom is the founder of an organization I had heard quite a bit about. It's called Hand Up. Uh, And Hand Up, I'll read you a little bit about their mission. Um, They believe that we are better off in a society where everyone can meet their basic needs. And that's why they created their company, to leverage technology and the power of human relationships to fight urban poverty. And just a quick bit about Rose. Uh, She is passionate about using the power of technology to create social change, which is a big part of the reason why I definitely wanted to uh, get her into this uh, series. And she came up with the idea uh, for Hand Up after passing a woman sleeping on the street in the winter of 2012 and wanting to find a new way to give. Uh, Previously, Rose has served as a COO at Super Better Labs and as the data manager for Barack Obama's 2008 presidential campaign. So, Rose, I want to just thank you for coming on today. Again, really excited to have you here to share your story. So I've told my listeners just a little bit about you and and given them just kind of a teaser about what Hand Up does. Um, So why don't you go ahead now and and take it away and tell us just a bit more about you personally, because we do want to get to know you and then talk to us more specifically about Hand Up than I just did. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Josh. Um, so a little bit more about me. Um, well, I guess I can start with, you know, the moment when I, I really decided that I wanted to um, go into technology and use technology to make an impact in the world. And that really happened when I worked on the Obama campaign. Um, I was actually a grad student at the time and had planned on going into a, a research career. I was doing the health research um, and and thought I was going to you know continue on on that path um, and I ended up managing data for the Obama campaign and just saw what a tremendous impact um, we could create using the tools of technology and and data that I that I you know really love working with um, and so after that after that experience. I thought, okay, I need to find a way to transition um, into tech. And I've always been a techie, grew up in Silicon Valley and um, started kind of 
hanging out in the startup community, going to events and just trying to learn more. And that's when I then started working at my first startup, which was an education technology startup. Um, and from there, went to a digital health startup um, and, you know, had had some different ad- adventures and worked on different projects and um, now am, you know, fully focused on hand up. Terrific. And, and talking about hand up, um, cause like I said, I gave just kind of a quick teaser. Can you talk to us just uh, specifically about, you know, when you, when you came across that idea, I told a little bit about the story mm-hmm. about how you ran into the woman on the street, but then how did you take that experience and transform it into hand up? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. There's, you know, this idea of a minimum viable product in, in tech and in product development. And when I, I walk past this woman on the street, I mean, there are over 7,000 homeless people here in San Francisco, and it's a very visible problem. Um, and something about that night, it was really cold out. And, you know, I saw this woman sleeping with just a thin blanket protecting her from the ground. And it just really, I mean, it, it really hit me hard. And, and I I thought to myself, why can I pull my phone out and I can push a button and get a, a ride or order dinner and I can't do something right now um, to help this woman, even though I have resources, I want to give them to her, I want to help her somehow. Um, and and I just started asking myself, what would that look like? And I, I started brainstorming with a friend of mine who's an engineer named Zach um, and told him, hey, you know, I have this idea, like what if you could donate to um, homeless people through your phone or who knows what would happen? Maybe a you know a, a car would come to pick them up to take them to a shelter, or I don't know. Um, and just started really brain, brainstorming and playing with that idea. And he really he totally shocked me by saying, um, "Rose, if you get it all set up, I'll build it for you." And so we thought, okay, we'll work on this as a side project together. We never thought we were going to do it full time or. Um, turn it into a company. And we just thought, all right, we'll, we'll do this little side project. And, um, it just took off from there. Wow. Great. Well, I, I love a couple of things there. And, and this is what really struck me about your message and your cause is that that last part of your mantra where you say leveraging technology and the power of human relationships yeah. to fight urban poverty. And I loved that because, like I said, I'm, I'm not the most techie guy in the world, but I am embracing it um, yeah. as, as much as I can. But I think that's one of the fears is that a lot of times, especially in social justice work, that technology can have this effect as we kind of shut ourselves off from getting out into society uh, to the extent that we just, you know, plug our faces into a computer that we can kind of lose touch with that human connection. And it does take both. And and I mm-hmm. love that you're really leveraging both. And, and we will dig into that uh, here a little bit later as we get more specific about Hand Up, because I think the community that you've created on there and the way that you tell the stories of the individuals you help is, is one of the most powerful components. But before we get there, there's one thing I, I just want to, to land on real quick. And this is a question that I, I ask everybody. One of the things that, that really has inspired me in, in, in my life, I, I was an AmeriCorps member early on right after I graduated high school. And one of the questions they always asked us, you know, as we would go out day to day working in schools was, you know, look for the moments that that turn your social justice nerves on. And the idea was that we needed to be more uh, aware of what was going on around us to link up with, with causes that were important to us. So can you talk to us about the moment that you would say rose turned your justice nerves on in other words what you know i'm sure a lot of people had walked by that woman on the street that day what would you say it was in your background that really caused you to look up and say hey i need to do something about this 
Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I definitely have been um, concerned about social justice for a long time. I went to Santa Clara uh, for undergrad, which is a Jesuit university, very focused on on, on social justice in the community. Um, during undergrad, I helped run an organization called Food Not Bombs, um, and we'd go and pick up uh, fresh, healthy, organic food from um, Whole Foods that they were going to throw out, and we would go and we would pick it, and we would serve it to the homeless community. Um, and 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 I think with this instance, what was it about this? Um, you know, it really was a social justice moment for me because I wasn't only just thinking, you know, why can't I pull my phone out? I was really thinking, why in a society with so much wealth and so much innovation and problem solving. We're getting so good at building apps that solve each little problem that we have. Um, And also in a society with so much compassion, I know that people care. I know that people want to help each other. Why do those ingredients not add up to, you know, uh, um, having people be off the streets? And I thought, because maybe they need to be added up a little bit differently, or maybe they just needs to be a slightly better pipeline. And this is where, you know, we think of technology as as disconnecting people. But with HandUp, technology helps connect people where otherwise the in-person interaction may not be comfortable or people don't feel safe or people are concerned that they're going to hurt somebody by giving them cash and, you know, they want to make sure that their contribution is helping. Um, And um, so that's that's kind of what makes hand up a little bit different. And let me take a step back really quick um, and kind of clarify, like, what is hand up? Um, what hand up is depends on kind of who you are. So for your listeners out there, hand up is a crowdfunding website for homeless people and other people in need that lets you donate directly to a specific person that you want to help. And we make sure that 100% of those funds go toward basics like food, housing, medical care, technology. Um, And we do that by partnering with nonprofits that are serving the community. So HandUp is a technology company. We're not a direct service provider. We build software that nonprofits use to help their clients fundraise. And so when you make a donation on our website, website at handup.us. You you can read stories of specific individuals on there and decide, I want to donate to this person. Um, That donation goes to the nonprofit that that individual is connected with. Um, So we kind of see it as the best of both worlds. The individual decides how they want want to use their funds and the nonprofit helps process the donation and helps, you know, get the profiles set up. Um, and, you know, shortly after we started doing hand up, you know, in the beginning, it was a very simple, it was a very simple uh, text message donation app that my co-founder, Zach, built in about a weekend. Um, we used Twilio for our text routing and we used Stripe for credit card processing. And I built a really simple website and some free software. <laughs> um, and what we started finding is that our donors were saying, you know, this is great that I can donate, but I want to send notes to these people. I want to tell them that I care. And at the same time, um, the members who are using our site to fundraise were saying, who's helping me? Why are they helping me? And how can I thank them? And they said, you know, I don't want to just get donations. I want to be able to thank my donors. And so we saw that both sides were really wanting to communicate with each other. And, you know, we didn't want to stand in the way of that. So now you can actually messages back and forth through hand up. 
Um, and and for, the, for our members, what that looks like is every time they get a donation, they get a text message. Um, most homeless people do have at least um, basic phones, if not a smartphone. Um, and so they'll get a text and it says, you know, Josh just gave you a donation. And he says, you know, I wish you the best of luck. I hope this helps or, you know, whatever your, your message was. And they can text back and that text will get emailed to you. Well, I, um, so in this way, we, we're helping to facilitate the community in addition to, to transferring the funds. Yeah, and I, I love that message. And I think that that is your, your strongest message. I want to just highlight a couple things you said that I think are, are really, really important for anyone listening. The one, you know, we, we talked about when you got your justice nerves turned on. And I think one of the most interesting things you said was that, you know, you, you saw all these uh, pieces um, that, you know, you could see them fitting together and making some tremendous impact, but they just weren't quite linked up. And I think that's, that's mm-hmm. a really important message because it doesn't always involve reinventing the wheel. A lot of times social justice work and building a community is really about just linking pieces together that are there or leveraging things that we have in a little different way mm-hmm. and, and making those what seem like small adjustments make a huge difference. And I think that's just a really important message because a lot of times, I mean, I know I've been there before, or in this kind of work, we can get very discouraged by the magnitude of, of, of the problems that are out there. And, and certainly they, they are um, challenging issues and often saddening. But a lot of times, I think that we can help that uh, by just with this understanding that there are the resources out there a lot of times and, and the processes to, to fix these things. But sometimes it can just be a little shift or a matter of bringing them together. And I think that that's an important message. Yeah. And another thing that, that that's yeah, I think that's a really good point. And and then I think another piece too is is this idea of what I love most about what you, what you do is building that community and allowing people um, to communicate and and I think to personalize it. And that was actually one thing I, I wanted to ask you about. Um, in my, I, I've been involved in economic justice work and, and working in homeless communities before, and it seems to me that there are a lot of conceptions um, out there about what would lead to homelessness. But you take a look at a few of the profiles on your website, and I think just even the first few will challenge a lot of those notions. So I wonder, could you take us there for a minute and talk to us about some of the stories of the individuals that you have on your site? And what would you say was, what, what, in, in your opinion, what do you think would be most surprising to people about some of those stories? Yeah, you know, when, what we've really learned and seen in the stories on our site is how um broad and diverse homelessness and and really poverty are. And there are so many different causes. Um, And and I think that's actually one of the big issues that we have right now with homelessness is that the public doesn't understand it. And what the public often sees is the most visible uh, chronic homelessness, which is about 10 to 15 percent of the chronic of, of the homeless population who've been homeless for, you know, a few years or more, often have very high rates of mental health or substance abuse. Um, but there is a big population of, of the homeless community that you would not even recognize. The majority, I would say, you would not recognize as homeless if you walk past them on the street. And they might be sleeping in 
in their car. They might be camped out under a bridge um, or in kind of a, a, um, a, a kind of a tent community in your neighborhood um, or couch surfing, sleeping in friends' basements, um, stuff like that. And, and a lot of homeless families as well, people in shelter. Um, and so that's, that's, I think, what stands out to people is when they go on our site and they, they see people. Um, actually, we, um, I was speaking at a tech conference and the hosts, you know, invited me to bring one of my members on stage. And at first I thought like, oh, I don't want to, you know, create a kind of, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if, um, I wasn't sure how I felt about that. But then I decided, you know what, I'm just going to ask our, my member and let my member decide for themselves if they want to come or not. And I said, hey, Adam do you want to come on stage with me at this tech conference and tell them about your experience using hand up and he said oh my god i would love to and he came on stage and talked about being homeless and adam is homeless sleeping on the street and he's been using hand up for a little while and you know in his own words he would say that has changed his life and um it's just uh it's hearing people i mean seeing people listening to him, there was maybe a couple thousand people at this conference. Everyone was looking up. No one was talking. Everyone, people were just shocked. I mean, you, you can imagine after there were a bunch of tech demos, all of a sudden there's somebody up there saying, hey, my name is Adam and I'm homeless and I sleep on the street. And um, somebody told me later that someone next to them said, I didn't know that homeless people could talk like this. And I think that is such an important part of this is giving people a voice, letting people share their stories. Um, and, and that's ended up being one of the most powerful things about hand up. Yeah. And, and that definitely, like I said, seeing that on your website was, was one of my favorite things. I know personally, the first time I, I volunteered at a shelter, I was shocked and my own misconceptions were shattered by seeing just a number of families, full families that were there. And, and that's something that I think is, is often lost in, in this discussion and that, that people don't realize is that it, it does affect full families. And in fact, a lot more than what we typically see, or I think associate um, with just an individual on the street. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's important. And, and also just generally, I think that it's, it's an important statement you're making here that our role as social entrepreneurs, our role in this space is really to challenge misconceptions um, in, in all different kinds of issue areas. And, and you've definitely done that here, I think, with the, the community that you've built and the way that you you tell your story. And, and in terms of how you, you tell the story, can you unpack that a little bit more? I know, you know we've talked about how um, the individuals that are members of the community that that are working with Hand Up will have a, a profile. First of all, do you, do you have, how do you, can anyone put a profile on there or how, do, how does that work? Number one. And then number two, what are the kinds of things that they need to share and how do they share their story on that profile? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how um, members who use our site get a profile is by visiting a case manager at a human service organization. And there are thousands of different types of human service organizations. People often think of shelters. Um, There are all kinds of walk-in centers, family centers, um, different social service organizations with case management or counseling programs. And there are a lot of different kind of organizations like this. And so what happens is with HandUp, we partner with these organizations. We train them on our software, which is pretty easy to use. 
And then the case managers um, or counselors at these organizations, they're the ones who help administer the profile. So what would happen is, um, here's a, a real story, is um, we have a member named Davlin, and she came in to visit her case manager. She's homeless, and she said, you know, I knit these hats, you know, I love knitting and I knit these hats and I want to sell them on the street, but I need a street street vendor license and it's $200. Can you guys help me get this license? And the case manager would say, you know, we think this is really important helping you reach your goals, but we don't have funding for that. Um, and now what the case manager can say is we don't don't have funding for that, but if you want to fundraise from the community, we can put you on hand up. So then Davlin said, great, you know, that sounds good. Um, and the case manager wrote a, a short profile, a little bit of bio, you know, about Davlin and her life. Um, and then um, it went up, I think in about a week, she raised the funds and came back in to visit her case manager and they wrote a check to the city agency and got the street vendor permit. Actually, you can go and look on her profile and see some updated pictures and now she's able to sell um, her hats and dolls. We have all different kinds of members. Um, I'll tell you guys, I'll, I'll tell you another story of one of our very first members named Marvin. Um, he had been homeless for, for a long time and he played chess and he was part of some chess games that were here in San Francisco on Market Street and they got shut down. Um, the police shut them down and there was a big story in the Chronicle that featured Marvin. And he, was, he was the chess master, the homeless chess master of these games. And it just so happened that his high school was having their 40th anniversary reunion um, right around the same time. And somebody posted this article in their Facebook group and said, hey, guys, this is our friend Marvin from high school, remember? He, you know, he's homeless. And they didn't know that he had been homeless, and they decided that they wanted to help him. Um, and so they reached out to the city and told the city, like, hey, we want to help our friend. And the city said, you know, that's great, but we don't have the ability to accept money from you guys. Why don't we get Marvin signed up on Hand Up? And we were a maybe one-month-old <laughs> startup at that time. Um, so we got Marvin signed up on hand up and his um, high school class raised um, a few thousand dollars for him and um, his case manager was able to get him into temporary housing right away um, and now it's been almost a year now he's in permanent housing after he had been homeless for 25 years um, and so it's you know really interesting seeing this where it's like here was this community they wanted to support him and it just all came together in a way that was respectful and empowering he had agency in deciding how he used these funds um and um it's it's been really exciting to see stories like that and even you know early on being able to make an impact in people's lives wow though those are really an incredible stories, and I think they they highlight exactly what we were talking about initially. Is that you know one thing that the hand up does very well is is tells a specific story, tells a, a story about a specific thing that they need and and why they need it. Because I think a lot of times it's it's that's the challenge for people who want to get involved. They don't know exactly how, and and your profiles and that story I think just make that very clear for people and, and very easy to understand. So that's. And I think, 
I think that's what we're seeing now is that we have, especially with the internet and technology, is that we're seeing a new kind of generation of um, of donors who want transparent giving. They want to know where their money is going. They want to see the impact. They want a feedback loop. Um, and, and this can sometimes be challenging for nonprofits and human service organizations that don't always have the technological capacity to um, build these systems. Um, and so that's where HandUp helps make it really easy for them. And that, that was actually one of the most surprising things when we started HandUp is so many organizations reached out to us from all over the world saying, we've wanted HandUp for a long time. Um, we've had this idea for a long time. We tried to build it or we tried to hire someone um, to make it for us. And, and, and that kind of ties back to what you were saying earlier, that this wasn't some, you know, revolutionary um, invention <laughs> that we came up with something. This was connecting a, a, a tool, a process, crowdfunding that we have in other domains. Interestingly, Kiva is right here in our building um, where we're based in, in San Francisco and SOMA. Um, and it's really taking that model that we already know about and applying it here in the U.S., and with the homeless community. Um, so oftentimes the resources are there, even the tools are there, and they just need to be applied in a slightly new way. Yeah, and I think that that to me is is the most powerful message of of hand up uh, is is that idea that uh, a lot of times, like I said, that, that the pieces are out there, but you've you've just brought them together in a very mm-hmm. effective and new way. And I, I love that that piece of your story. I didn't know that Kiva was there with you. That's <laughs> that's really neat. Kiva, uh, yeah. People ask all the time, like, have you heard of Kiva? <laughs> Um, <laughs> and we're like, yes, we have. We love Kiva. Um, we actually are, are even closer with their Zip team. And so Kiva Zip is a new part of Kiva that's focused on um, more of a kind of direct loan system. And so they're not only in the developing world, but also here in the U.S. Um, and we think Kiva is really great. Um, we, we would like to eventually, as we grow and as they grow, kind of create a pipeline, or we call it a pipeline out of poverty. Um, a lot of our members aren't in the place to accept debt. Um, and so, you know, we help people get to a place of stability. We have had people graduate from hand up, um, you know, whether they leave the organization or get into stable housing. And, you know, some of our members say, okay, we're, we've benefited from this system. Thank you. And we are ready for other people um, to receive the benefits. And so for the entrepreneurial ones, we would love to start passing them to Kiva Zip so that they can get um, small loans um, to take their businesses to the next level. Because interestingly, we see that a lot of our members are very entrepreneurial. Uh, Like one of our members, Aaron, he is homeless. He lives in his van and he does a car washing business. So he details cars and he fundraised for uh, a steam cleaner and a, a pressure washer um, t- to help him, you know, do his work even more effectively. And so for members like him, once he is in a place of stability, we'd love to pass him on to Kiva. Well, great. And, and for you listening, I will uh, go ahead and put a link to Kiva in the show notes if, if that's not something that you're familiar with, go ahead and, and link up there. But, uh, you know, very similar model here and, and 
Kiva primarily focuses on microloans in the developing world. And then um, Rosa shared with us a little bit more about what they're doing here in the States too. So l- very interesting story there as well. Um, definitely worth checking out if you're not familiar with Kiva's work. They're, they're doing some great work. So I'll put a link into the show notes um, so you can click on that as you as you link back up. But yeah, that's that's really cool. I, I had no idea that <laughs> you guys were, were rubbing elbows up there. So great, great stuff. So one last kind of question in terms of the, the profiles then. So for the donors, can you talk to us about how someone would typically get linked up with you to donate? How does that process work? Yeah, so we have donors that come from all different areas. Um, and we, we tend to think of our donors in three segments. One is donors who are connected to the individual member. And this was maybe the most surprising to us um, is we have members who tell us um, that They've reached out to family members that they haven't talked to in 10 years sometimes, um, and now they feel that they have a way, a dignified way that they can ask their family for help. Um, So family members, actually, if you don't mind, I'll I'll make a little tangent here to tell a story um, about one of our members named Claudette, who... just went through drug rehab and now she's in housing and she you know has a profile on hand up um she was raising funds to help her with rent and i was looking through the words of support on her page and i saw a note from a donor it said um here's some money to help with rent love mom and i thought wow <laughs> that was like the fir- first moment that i realized Oh, yeah. You know, this is a way that that family and friends um, can help support their loved ones as well. So um, donors that come from our individual members, we do actually give our members um, donation request cards. They're kind of like small business cards that have their picture and a link to their hand up profile. Um, And some of our members give these out to friends or family, people that they already know. Some of our members sell the street sheet, which is a homeless newspaper here in San Francisco. And they ask that some of their, um, the people who buy the street sheet to, to donate to them um, through, through hand up as well. Um, Then a second chunk of donors come from the human service organizations that we partner with. So they're volunteers, they're donors. Because these funds are actually going to the nonprofit um, and they see these as programmatic funds that help them serve their clients. Um, So donors from the nonprofits and then donors that come through our own, you know, marketing and PR and outreach um, that we do um, in the community. And so hopefully, you know, some of your listeners will come and, and check out our site and, and, and give to somebody in our community as well. Yeah. And, and, and just to be clear then, so anyone can link up with, with the website and become a donor through hand up, read a story, read a profile and, and donate to a yes. particular cause. Is that, am I understanding that right? Yeah. Anyone can come in. I mean, it's, I like Kickstarter in that way. You can come in, you can um, we have some donors who who come in and say, "Hey, like I love that you have individuals on the site. I love that I can read their stories and see how they're using the funds." But I want to give in a more, more general way. So we have general funds that you can donate to, and then we distribute those funds to members, and also um, we give them to the nonprofits so that they can use them um, where it makes sense. If someone's having an emergency, um, for example, um, someone's electric 
our battery broke and the nonprofit pulled $600 out of the emergency fund to get that fixed right away. Um, and that kind of flexibility is really, really important to these nonprofits who often their funding is very um, heavily regulated and restricted. Um, so they don't have a lot of flexible funds. We've built a lot of flexibility into the system and that makes a big difference for them. Um, but yeah, anyone can come to our website and, and read more about our members and hear their stories. Um, and, you know, even if you don't donate to them, um, just uh, showing them that you, that you care, we're actually going to, soon have an I care button um, so that people can show their support even if they don't make a donation. Okay. And for those of us tuning in, that is, it's handup.us, correct, Rose? That's right. Handup.us. Yeah. And I will uh, put a link uh, again to that in the show notes as well. So if you're listening while you're driving, you can uh, you can just click right into that and find and it. And just remember, it's one hand up. <laughs> one hand up? One hand up. We we sometimes get called. Um, we sometimes people call us hands up um, instead of hand up. Okay. It is just, uh, uh, oh, okay. one hand. Got it. One hand. <laughs> hand up. up. Okay, great. <laughs> well, I'll be sure I put that right in the show notes too, so I can click on that. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Yeah. Well, terrific. Well, well, I want to shift gears just a little bit. We've talked a lot about the story of hand up and and your story, Rose, and and that's I think is just such an incredible message. And and I love, like I said, a lot of these nuggets that you shared here, um, especially this idea of uh, linking up uh, resources and tools that we we have that are kind of disconnected but connecting them in a way that, that people understand and can really connect with at a deep emotional level I think is really the strongest message for me anyway of of hand up and especially your profiles another thing that really struck me um, in this section uh, towards the end when you were telling the story about uh, someone who hand up had supported who then came back and, and became a, a giver through the organization and I think as to me as, as social entrepreneurs that's one of the most powerful things we can do is by serving others, cause them to then when they're in a position to do it, pay that forward and and mm-hmm. serve another community themselves. I think that is just uh, a, a, one of the most powerful experiences we can have as as change agents. And I think that was just a, a really powerful story and, and message. And I, I love hearing those. But anyway, so thank you. Thank you so much for that. I, I, I want to, like I said, just shift gears a little bit, though, and get uh, kind of specific uh, in terms of hand up and just kind of the, the technical running of the organization and, and some of the experiences you had. The first thing I wanted to chat with you about, we had also uh, chatted with, with Clara over at at uh, Tummel. And I wonder if, if you, and so, so Tummel, of course, is kind of a, an accelerator incubator, as I understand it, specifically for urban ventures. And so can you talk to us about how you felt that that environment uh, contributed to hand up and your growth? Yeah, I mean, um, oops, sorry, my headphones fell out there for a second. Yeah, so Tummel is a startup incubator accelerator for urban focused startups, sometimes called civic or smart cities startup issues. Um, so that's anything from they have a LinkedIn for blue-collar blue workers called WorkHands. Um, they have education-focused startups, transportation-focused startups as well. Um, and I had met Julie and Clara. They had an event um, where they 
brought in um, someone who was doing policy for Airbnb. They brought in a city supervisor and they brought in um, some startup folks and had panels um, and, and excuse me, had a panel that I went um, and visited. And I remember um, this is when I was just first starting to get interested and in thinking about working on hand up. And I asked the city supervisor, I said, you know, what kind of innovation are you guys working on in homelessness? And he said to me, he said, you know what? I want to ask you that. What kind of innovation do you um, want to see and what work on in homelessness? And and that was a really interesting moment for me um, because I, I, I was like, huh, you know, um, it, it's kind of a, an interesting sort of shift of, of responsibility, idea of responsibility is like, who's responsible for um, the health of our cities. And it's certainly the city government, but it's also us as individuals and as entrepreneurs as well. Um, And that's when I started talking to Julie and Clara and just learning more about their program. And I mentioned that I was working on Hand Up and they said, oh my God, that's amazing. Why don't you apply and join our first incubator class with that? Um, And... Uh, to be totally honest with you, the thought of doing hand up full time hadn't crossed my mind until that moment. Um, so when people ask me what kind of impact Tummel had in hand up development, um, I don't know if hand up would exist as it does without Tummel. So having structures that support social entrepreneurs, especially very early stage entrepreneurs, is vital if we want to see um, more innovation. In, in the social sector. So we applied to Tummel, got accepted in Tummel, and what that meant was we had space to work in for three months. Um, they would bring in different um, mentors, investors, um, attorneys, other entrepreneurs, all different kinds of city folks, um, so that we can learn, we can network, we can, you know, have connections in different spaces. As is, as an urban-focused entrepreneur, it is different than just doing um, a straight traditional technology startup. You're working in a space where you're interacting with a lot of different industries. Um, and so that was extremely helpful for us. And of course, the funding as well. So they give $20,000 of incubator funding um, that, as an early-stage entrepreneur, really, really helps when you're trying to get things off the ground. And so they actually just, I think, started accepting applications for their next cohort. And you can you can check that out. Their website is tumml.org. Um, so tumml.org. Um, and it was a great program. And they continue to support us, um, even though we've, we graduated, I guess it was um, about a year ago now. Terrific. Well, and, and Change Nation, if, if you're tuning in and you hadn't heard that interview with, with Clara and Tummel, Rose is, is really telling a, a personal story of how uh, that supportive community uh, really helped them grow. And I think just the powerful message that they may not have existed in the way that they exist today without the support of a community like Tummel. And if you hadn't heard it uh, just before this, this interview, we actually had a section on startup incubators and Clara was featured as part of that and a few other interviews I had. And I, so I would encourage you if you have heard those to run back and, and listen to those as you're thinking about your organization and how you might want to try and link up with some kind of a, 
supportive community because I think that is so incredibly vital. And those series of interviews we had around that, I think really highlight that. And Rose is really specifically highlighting the impact that it had on her as, as a social entrepreneur and, and, and on her organization. So something really important to consider and definitely run back and listen to those interviews. Um, if you didn't, uh, it was the section just a few weeks before this one. So those will be just a few episodes behind here, uh, but you can, you can definitely get that inside as well. So yeah, great, great stuff on that. I, I want to keep chatting then. I wanna... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Rose. Sure. Oh, I just love to add one more thing on that, just to echo you there, that it's extremely important that we have these incubators and organizations that are focused on um, supporting social entrepreneurs, civic entrepreneurs, urban entrepreneurs, um, and all, all different kind of <laughs> variety. And we've been really lucky to, to to be able to reach out to these organizations and, and have their support. I um, participated in a startup competition called The Challenge. Challenge Cup um, that a group called 1776 in DC, um, which is a startup workspace, and also um, they have a fund and an incubator. Um, they bring startups from all over the world that are focused on their four areas are health, education, energy, and smart cities. And so we competed in that, and we ended up winning the competition um, that was in May. And having that kind of support and having you know, the kind of being vouched for by these organizations makes a big difference as uh, as a kind of urban entrepreneur, um, where it's you're, we're kind of building a new path, um, and having organizations that can be there to support you and and kind of give you their stamp of approval um, makes a really really big difference. A- absolutely, and and I think just traditional entrepreneurship is tough enough, but you know, add social or, or cause based entrepreneurship into the mix, and I think it just gets even tougher. The the issues that we face that we're trying to weave into our our missions are, are so uh, can be so disheartening sometimes that it's so it's just that much more important that you're in a supportive community with people who get it and who are facing similar issues and and working to address similar challenges. It's it's just I think so so critical. And honestly, a, a lesson to me, um, that's something that I, I, I do my best at and, and I am part of some communities here, but something I, I could and, and should definitely, I think, do better at because just, just having those people to connect with who get you and who get your mission is, is critical, I think, mm-hmm. for anyone. Yeah. So in terms of the structure of Hand Up, uh, a lot of the organizations that I, I chat with are for-profit social ventures. Uh, some are nonprofits, and then some are kind of a hybrid uh, approach. Can you talk to us about HandUp's model and, and how you decided to go in that direction? Sure. So HandUp is a for-profit with a social mission, and we are incorporated as a new kind of legal entity called a Public Benefit Corporation. Um, so we, we actually waited until Delaware passed their Public Benefit Corporation legislation last August. I think it was August 1st. Um, so we waited to incorporate, so we can incorporate in Delaware, which is where most companies are incorporated, and as a benefit corporation. And that means that we have a legal, you can think of it as a responsibility or you can think of it as a legal freedom um, to pursue our social mission. And that it means that it's embedded in the legal foundation of our company. Um, And that was really important to us, extremely important to us as we're working with, um, you know, people who are very vulnerable, who are living in poverty. Um, 
But because we are, you know, a scalable technology platform, because we're not a direct service provider, you know, we're building technology that um, organizations can use. And because of the way that um, early stage startups raise funding, it made most sense for us to incorporate as a for-profit. And we think that that's going to help us grow as quickly as possible and have the biggest impact possible. Terrific. Yeah. And I, I think your one thing I love across all the interviews I do is as I, I hear themes develop and you've really echoed the themes that, that I've I've heard across the board. Uh, you know, the, the first one is that you you zero in on your cause and then you find the model that allows you to do that in the best way. And, and you mentioned that here. I mean, you, you had your model and you, you knew that this was the way to be most sustainable and to grow most effectively. And I think also, too, looking at what you were were doing and the spaces you wanted to be involved with and finding the model that fit you best. And I also, the last thing that, that I think is really interesting is a lot of the organizations I talk to, there are, are so many, actually, this is the first time, I think I'd maybe heard of the Public Benefit Corporation once, but um, the, the first organization I've talked to that has actually pursued that, I've talked to a few B Corps, but the bottom line is there are a lot of new uh, structures that are coming out. And I think that that's really interesting and, and something just for, for you listening uh, to bear in mind, and, and I do mention this, but just if you're tuning in for the first time here today, I want to want to reiterate it that it is important to to look around because there are a lot of new legal structures that are focused on cause based businesses. And again, you want to lead with your cause and you want to have the conversation about what model best fits you. But know that there are a lot of kind of uh, newer models and models that I don't think were previously talked about that are coming up. So that's a really important uh, consideration to make. So thanks for sharing openly in terms of yeah, for sure. I'd love to dive into just a couple more of those if if you think we have the time yeah, here. Absolutely. I think I think we'd love that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, benefit corporation, there's the legal entity, which we are. Um, and then there's also something else called a, a B Corp certification. And that's um, while the these two things were um, helped were kind of created by the same organization called eLabs, um, they are pretty different. So the certification is any kind of organization, whether a nonprofit or for-profit, um, can go through this certification process where they make sure that you're you know, environmentally friendly and that you're good to your employees um, and that you're having an impact. And so that's something that's available to existing organizations and larger organizations as well. Um, one thing that I would love to caution people again is, um, and this is something we thought about a lot in the beginning, was we thought about structuring as a true hybrid or sometimes called the tandem um, organization, which is a for-profit and a non-profit that are tied together. And uh, while there are some cases where that makes sense, I think as an early entrepreneur, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, I don't think it ever makes sense as an early stage startup to structure as a hybrid or a tandem to, to create two legal entities. It's just too complicated. Um, so I would say pick the entity that makes the most sense for what you're doing. And then, and, you know, later as you grow, like, you know, Google is a, an organization, a C corporation, and then they have a .org, you know, a nonprofit that will, Works as their foundation, um, but I wouldn't start off 
that way as an early stage entity. So, you know, a lot of people talk about that and they think it's easy or an easy option. It's not, it's really complicated. It's, you know, you don't want to be putting that kind of work um, into something like that as an early stage entrepreneur where you need every bit of energy that you have. So pick, you know, should you be a nonprofit? Should you be a for-profit? Should you be a benefit corporation? And maybe you can think five to 10 years down the road, you structure a nonprofit um, or, you know, or maybe a for-profit down the road, but don't I, I don't see starting off that way as a very viable path. Well, well, thank you so much for for sharing that, and and I would definitely echo that. Uh, just with a lot of early stage social entrepreneurs I've interacted with, and honestly, I made this mistake myself. It, one of the things that, that we tend to do is try to lead with that business model and that business structure instead of leading with our cause. And then finding what what fits in best with that, and so I think that's that's a big important message here. But also just the the specific message of uh, not pursuing that hybrid model. I really appreciate that. That's that's the first time I've heard that verbalized. But I, I kind of felt that way just in some conversations I had had that it is a especially for a lot of the ventures I've talked to that have kind of the one for one model, uh, so like a Tom Shoes, and then mm-hmm. trying to create their own nonprofit for the the one that they donate. Uh, it just seems like it's a very very challenging road the ones that that tend to be more successful, at least from what I've seen so far, are the ones that link up with they focus on on what they do best as a as a business with a baked in social cause, and then they link up with other established nonprofits um, to carry to help carry out their social mission. And at least from where I'm sitting, that's tended to be a a much more effective way. And it's been a big challenge for the ones who have tried to kind of create their own nonprofit. But um, if you're out there and you have an alternative to that story, let me know, and I'd love to interview you. But that's just kind of a general um, theme. And so, so I, I think you're you're definitely echoing something I've heard pretty pretty across the board. <laughs> It's possible, but it's it's very very challenging. And starting a, starting a an organization is hard enough um, as it is. So, got to focus your your energy. Exactly, and I think the power of focus is is so hugely important. And when you do the hybrid, you're essentially starting two organizations. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big challenge. Well, well, great stuff. This is just uh, some tremendous practical uh, and, and kind of organizational insight for us here. So, thank you for for sharing that, Rose. I want to go ahead and, and and close us out the way I I try to close out all my interviews, just uh, throwing a few. Uh, uh, quick questions at you before I give you the last word, uh, just to give you the chance to share some of the resources you use with us here at, at Change Nation. You, you ready to go? Sure. Okay. Sure. Sounds good. So what is a book that you think all of us should read? Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, I guess one of my favorite books is by Jack Cornfield. It's called The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness, and Peace. Um, and, you know, I know social entrepreneurs are big lovers and have big hearts. Um, and that's a book that I turn to, you know, when life can be very challenging. Um, and that's, that's a book that, that just really helps, helps ground me and, and, um, and yeah, that I, that I definitely would recommend to anyone. Great. Well, well, thanks. And as usual, Change Nation, I will be putting those in the show notes so you can link right up to that and and find that book. Now, what about in terms of, of growing hand up? Do you have a, a tool in your tech company? So do you have a kind of a tech-based tool that you're using that you're just loving that you think is really helping you as a social entrepreneur? Yeah. In terms of uh, what we use to stay organized at hand up and we definitely use uh, all Google apps. So we use um, Google Docs 
and Google Spreadsheets, um, and we use them in conjunction with a task management system called Asana. Um, and Asana helps teams manage work. Um, and so when we have a brainstorm, we collect all these ideas in Asana. Um, when someone needs to do something, we create a task in Asana and it has you know a, a, a due date in it, and it just helps us stay organized as a team and very very efficient. Um, so I highly recommend using Asana in conjunction um, with Google Apps. Terrific. So Asana and ta- task management is kind of the focus of Asana. It's task management. Yeah. So I mean, when you're working in a team, you have to create systems to stay organized. Yep. And so if we have a doc, and we're everyone needs to give feedback on it. You know, the doc is linked in Asana. That's how you can find it. So you don't spend time looking for things. Everything's right there in one place. Yeah. And one of the most valuable insights, <laughs> I, I love that you mentioned this because one of the most valuable insights I've gotten along those lines for my own uh, work at Social Change Nation is that as you're building a team, you'll find that pretty quickly about 80% of your email exchange becomes around certain uh, tasks or things that need to get done on just within that team. And so by, you know, moving that system over to something um, that is more of kind of a task management kind of thing, you'll find that a lot of that communication that went on in email will then occur <laughs> across those tasks and just keep it a little bit more organized and, and, and keep you a little more clear-headed. At least that was my experience. Oh, that. exactly. We have yeah. a rule. I mean, no feedback in email, um, which strangely, you can actually use Asana through email. Um, but yeah, we don't ever send email to each other to say, hey, here's some feedback I have about that project you're working on. No, because then you can't find that email and things get lost. Um, everything goes in Asana and Google Docs. So that's I, I highly recommend that system to any entrepreneur or team out there well well thank you for that that is that is tremendously valuable and i know from my own experience too so yeah highly recommend that to anyone listening well, well great so what what would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received um the best piece of advice i remember one time i was talking with my dad and i had a lot of decisions that i was trying to make in my life and my dad said you know when i Feel like there's a lot going on and I have a lot of decisions to make. I focus on the basics and that's particularly an important piece of advice for what we're doing here at Hand Up where we're helping people um, kind of meet their basic needs but also as a team that's part of our philosophy is we try not to become we're all perfectionists but we try to you know try try to hold that back a little bit and just focus on the basics get the basics done you know be there show up cover the bases and so often that gets us even further than making things really complicated you know it's really a different way of saying you know the lean startup or the minimum viable product or even you know keep it simple stupid uh, um, (laughs) kind of uh, uh, advice there is um, focus on the basics focus on the basics yeah I I love that and I, I love that message I think that's that's valuable for anyone in this space definitely well okay last last question for you here before I let you close us out what is the first thing you think we can all do right now to start changing the world the first thing you can do I would say is make your make a commitment to yourself to do one small thing and I would challenge you to think small you know, we often think, we, we often kind of give us advice to think big. And I think thinking big is really important. Um, but thinking small is really important too. And we forget to, to mention that to each other. Um, and so I would say, make a commitment to yourself to do one small thing 
something that you care about and maybe it's something that you've already been thinking about for a long time. Maybe it's a way you wanted to contribute to a friend's project. Um, often there are already seeds there in your life and those seeds, that's that's where your motivation is. So find the, find the small things that you already care about that you want to do and do them like little experiments. Don't worry about what some grand vision is of what you're going to do. Just do the little things and see where they lead you. Yeah. Well, nothing, nothing more need be said there. <laughs> Real powerful <laughs> message right there. Well, well, great. Well, well, Rose, I just want to give you this, this last uh, bit here to share any other uh, thoughts you'd like to with my audience. And then also last thing, just let them know, we talked about it a little bit, but just let them know the best way to link back up uh, with hand up just to close us out with that. Yeah, sure. So I guess, you know, one thing that I would love to say to your audience of social entrepreneurs who are really excited about changing the world is, you know, we have huge global challenges that, you know, we're all aware of that we're facing right now. Um, And I truly believe that we need more um, early stage, innovative projects that are, you know, trying different angles um, at these big social environments all global challenges that we're facing. So, um, um, I, so I would say if you, if you have something that you care about and you really want to do it, if there's a problem that you're really inspired or motivated by, um, we need you to work on that. And, um, and I think one of the best ways to do that is to get connected with established communities and, you know, make new friends, build your relationships, start going to more events, Truly, that's how, you know, I got connected with this community is just start showing up, start talking to people um, and really build up your network. And um, and and that's often one of the best ways to to then take your idea and and um, create it in the world. Um, So that's what I would say. We need you um, and hope to see you guys at some um, social entrepreneurial events in the future. And lastly, about Hand Up, we'd love to have you check out our site and give us feedback, support our members, and and our site is handup.us. So please check it out and give someone a hand. Well, well, thank you so much for that, Rose. And and on behalf of Social Change Nation, I just want to say thank you for your generosity with your time and and your insight and just your advice for us as change agents out there. You, you've shared some incredible insights. And I think that Hand Up is just an amazing organization that is, like you said, just taking these pieces that we had and, and putting them together in a very meaningful and powerful way by telling the stories um, of the people who are, are really experiencing homelessness and, and, and just building understanding around that and building a community and, and, and like you say, using technology um, and the power of human relationships to to work toward your cause. And that's just a, a powerful message. So again, thank you so much for your generosity with your time and your expertise. We, we really appreciate what you're doing. And Change Nation, I will catch you next time. Thanks, Rose. Thanks for having me. Well, 
Well, hey, thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, if you liked this interview, if you've listened this far, we want you to be a part of our community at Social Change Nation. So come over and visit us at socialchangenation.com. Sign on. We will give you a free e-guide, the 10 keys for building a successful cause-based business. These are lessons we've learned from our interviews with social entrepreneurs all over the world. We'd love to have you as a change agent in Social Change Nation. Until next time. Oh, 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 o